Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It's alright. I had a, a long day at work. It was a little tough. I've been desperately trying to get my computer to communicate over a serial line with a scale, like a weight scale... And it's proving to be far more irritating than it should be. For anyone out there who actually knows what I'm talking about, yes, I am using a null modem cable and I'm you know, using PuTTY. I know my comm source. I still can't get any communication. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, afterwards, I went out to uh, eat Mongolian noodles with uh, my lady in Woodvog. And I'm full of noodles now and I'm all right. How's your day? I am fascinated if anybody understood that I mean, I know those are words, most of which I didn't understand. All right. And how was your day, though? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Went and saw scary stories to tell in the dark. Looking forward to the geese who haunt on that one. Um, and that's been pretty quiet. So let's kick off the show the same way we always do, by thanking the people that make this possible. Those are our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Orion McCann, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, and Stefan R. Martinez. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. It only costs you 25 cents an episode, and it basically makes this entire thing possible. All right, and speaking of that list, one of them is with us today, uh, Marky, also known as my friend Woonvog. Hello. We just happened to be hanging out after noodles, and I was like, hey, we're going to do an episode about creepy stuff. And he was like, that sounds like something I want to be a part of, because it is. So here he is. So yeah, let's address that, because if you're listening to this and you've read the title, you saw Bootober, and you're like, Bootober? But it's September. What is this madness? And to you, I say, Christmas shows up in July. Bootober can show up whenever the fuck it wants. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's our show. We can decide if we want to do more Bootober. <laughs> That's the way I Holiday decided... months are meaningless. Exactly. And this year, we're going two months straight. Maybe longer. We'll see how November looks. So to kick off our bootober, we decided to do an episode that I am not really prepared for like I normally am, but we'll see how it goes, where we're going to talk about some of the more well-known boogeymen, spirits, legends from different cultures and times and and things of that nature. Uh, In my case, I, I looked up a handful of the ones that I am aware of, and we'll see how much I actually know about them, but that's the topic for today. Things that go bump in the night. So I'm just going to kick us right off with something that's been on my mind for um, a while now. As everyone knows, I have thalassophobia. I'm terrified of the ocean, right? And But what you might not know is that one of my favorite fictional – well, not fictional because they were a real thing. One of my favorite like roles to take on in a game or activity is that of the pirate. I'm a big fan of pirates. I mean – I'm a big fan of Vikings, and Vikings are like proto-pirates. But anyway, point is, I really like pirates, and I recently realized I think that I really like pirates because it's basically an overcoming of my thalassophobia. They're people who have not conquered the sea, but if like, they make their lives on it. So what is the boogeyman of pirates and, well, sailors and people who are on the ocean? Scurvy! Well, that, but <laughs> more, uh, more specifically, the Flying Dutchman. My second guess was going to be Hepatitis. Ah, syphilis probably would have been a better guess, but that is true. A nasty, nasty diseases in general. 
Yeah, which are probably all aboard the Flying Dutchman. That's a crappy afterlife if you still have herpes in the afterlife. <laughs> I stumped Axel on that one because now he's thinking about it. Uh, well, no, I was thinking that anyway, because you know, generally as an afterlife, you're not going to the Flying Dutchman. You're going to Davy Jones's locker. The Flying Dutchman, right, is a for anyone who's probably heard the term, it's not actually as prevalent in popular culture as I thought it was. At least if the Wikipedia page is anything to be believed, which you know how reliable that is, but it is was a ghost ship, right? Yeah. Uh, the, Sorry, am I bad? Sorry, it was like the mother of all ghost ships. Essentially, uh, it was a a ship that the main thing is it was cursed to never land, ever. Like part of the inherent idea of the urban legend is that um, the ship can uh, never actually touch land, <laughs> so it's it's doomed to sail eternally. Which doesn't sound inherently scary, but I don't know. To me, that that kind of like already is kind of creepy. The um, the captain, there is no like uh, original captain of the Flying Dutchman, but many legends uh, name a captain of Vanderdecken. So, well, it's got to be Dutch, and that sounds Dutch. Oh yes, indeed. Uh, for those who don't know, Woundvog is actually from Dutch heritage, and his actual last name has a van in it. So, <laughs> but yeah, so Vanderdecken. And the idea of the, well, first of all, it's hypothesized that these legends come from something called a superior mirage, where basically a ship off in a certain distance would look like it is both uh, above and below like itself. It's an interesting kind of phenomenon, but we're not interested in the sciencey stuff. The point is that the sailors would say that the Flying Dutchman would show up and would uh, call out messages from those long dead or would ask uh, to board or to and and ships that docked or met with the Flying Dutchman, we you know were never heard from again, and all that kind of jazz. Okay, so it is a bad luck ship to see because I was trying to remember that there was like some negative connotation attached. If you saw the Flying Dutchman, it was bad luck. It was a portent of doom. Is the exact term I saw written several times. Well, come on, this is the 1800s. Everything is a portent of doom to sailors. The major. Uh, the major messages were heard were send citrus and condoms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that uh, in my experience, right, the first time I came across the flying Dutchman in fiction was Scooby-Doo, which had a flying Dutchman ghost. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember that vaguely. Although I don't really remember it too well. Was Did, did he actually have a ship or was it just like the, a ghost that was called the Flying Dutchman. I think it was just the pirate, but that may have been the same one that, uh, you know, the ghost ship would appear and disappear, but they were, the whole trick on it was they were using a, uh, like a projector on fog. Yes. I, I remember that scene of Vilma explaining that like very vividly in my brain. So, but anyway, uh, so like Flying Dutchman is, was it also the name of Davy Jones's ship? No, what's David Jones's ship called? That is the Flying Dutchman. Okay, so that's the like I said, it's not always Vanderdecken. Sometimes it's David Jones. And again, I've heard some legends where David Jones was Vanderdecken, but that his name changes to David Jones after becoming cursed, essentially. So you know, you've heard David Jones Locker, Flying Dutchman, very closely connected. 
Okay, I was trying to think if I could blame uh, all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies from tying Davy Jones and the Flying Dutchman in my head. I think that that's one of the more well-known connections, but I don't think that it was ent- entirely its creation. So, yeah, I think it might be one that's become molded together through history. I don't I mean, know. Ghost ships doesn't are- doesn't uh, I hate to bring this up, but like, doesn't the Flying Dutchman show up in SpongeBob Captain by Davy Jones? Uh, in SpongeBob, the ghost is just called the Flying Dutchman. Ah, okay, never mind then. And so, according to uh, I, I admit I'm I'm reading this, but I think it's very interesting. So the the ship design apparently is supposed to be like a uh, a 17th century East Indiaman is what it's called, uh, which is kind of a weird. I've never seen that term. I actually don't know my ships very well. I Probably actually doesn't... know what that is. Yay, history! And the the first version of the legend of the story was printed in Blackwood's Edinburgh Magazine in May of 1821. So this legend's about 200 years old. And I'm just going to read this section here. Uh, this was from the the story. So as like a kind of idea of the 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 tone. She was an Amsterdam vessel and sailed from port 70 years ago. Her master's name was Van der Decken. He was a staunch seaman and would have his own way in spite of the devil. For all that, never a sailor under him had reason to complain, though how it is on board with them nobody knows. The story is this, that in doubling the cape they were a long day trying to weather the table bay. However, the wind headed them and went against them more and more, and Vanderdecken walked the deck, swearing at the wind. Just after sunset, a vessel spoke him, asking him if he did not mean to go into the bay that night. Vanderdecken replied, May I be eternally damned if I do, though I should beat about here till the day of judgment. And to be sure, he never did go into that bay, for it is believed that he continues to beat about the vessels never seen, but with foul weather along with her. So yeah, there's my dramatic reading uh, for the day. <laughs> Ominous. Also, I know that several shows have actually taken the Flying Dutchman idea, the ghost ship idea, and applied it to other things. Like, I remember in early Supernatural, there's a a ghost truck that Sam literally says, oh, so it's like the Flying Dutchman, except it's a truck. Yeah, so. the racist truck. Oh, no, that's like a bunch of ghost ships. I just, I don't know why I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, no, ghost ships are cool. There's a whole bunch of different documented ones and various phenomena to explain them. And you just gotta love 18th century sailor nonsense. I would argue the Flying Dutchman is the only ship that is like more well-known than the Queen Anne's Revenge. But the Queen Anne's Revenge was an actual ship, whereas the Flying Dutchman is only maybe an actual ship. <laughs> yeah... I don't know. Let us know down in the comments if you know what the Queen Anne's Revenge is. And I won't explain what it is. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I've talked about my ghost ship long enough, I think. All right, I'll jump in with kind of one that's in the same vein, at least in that it's a folktale, and I'm curious if anyone's ever heard of it. Taily Poe. I don't know what that is. I've heard the name, but I have nothing else to it. Okay, so Taily Poe is one of those one-part urban legend, one-part campfire story. It's its own thing. I'm fairly certain it originates in the Appalachian Mountains. It is a really spooky story that maybe we'll put up on Patreon because it really does need to be read aloud. The whole story is Taily Poe is this creature of sorts. It's got a long, lanky body, like the skin is stretched tight over it. It's got big, long claws, saucer-like eyes, and a tail. 
And the whole juxta story goes that a hunter comes upon Taily Poe, shoots off its tail, puts it in a stew to eat it, and then all night is haunted by Taily Poe, demanding that it give it back his tail. Eventually, Taily Poe ends up ripping him to shreds and disappearing into the night. So it sounds like a don't fuck with wolves story to me. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I mean, it's, like a, it's a really cool story. We'll probably put it up on our Patreon because it's a really good story. Well, classic Campfire one, if I can find the correct one, I may record myself telling it. This is one I heard as a kid that scared the crap out of me because, you know, it's all about the voices of tail. Give me back my tail. Give me back my tail. And, you know, just getting closer and closer every time. And the description of it being kind of scaly, but big eyes and sharp teeth and just nightmare fuel. As someone who has, uh, like, most of their life, like, heard, like, the whisperings in the wind when they're alone, that is definitely, like, a an interesting layer of fear. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple variations. Like, one variation of the story is the hunter shoots off Taily Poe's tail. The other one is Taily Poe falls into his uh, pot of stew out of the chimney, and, you know, the tail ends up in the stew and he eats it. There's a couple variations, but it's always the same thing of Taily Poe torments the hunter throughout the night demanding back his tail before violently killing him and i was curious if anyone had ever heard it because like i said it really i feels i let me know if i'm wrong but this originates in the south and i was curious if anyone else had ever heard of it it's funny because i was thinking about like what are american like north american myths because i know some south american ones which i'll talk about momentarily but the only like North American myths I could think of were like Sasquatch, the Jersey devil, which I refuse to believe is an actual myth. <laughs> and there's one that was in Louisiana, like in the Bayou. I remember what it was. The right skunk now. ape. Maybe. Cause in the South you got the skunk ape and then you got bloody bones. Bloody bones sounds more familiar. If you don't know who bloody bones is, look him up real quick. Who damn. Well, I've definitely never heard of this Taylipo before. I will tell you that the art popping up here on uh Google image search is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. No, like I said, Taily Poe's this weird thing that I just, I can't pin down where it originates, but it does seem to be mostly based in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, I haven't heard that story directly either, but uh, I've heard iterations because, you know, the the books, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the story of the Where is My Big Toe is very similar and follows that exact same kind of story path. Yeah, I would argue that that is the where is the my toe is totally based off Taylor Poe's story. I don't know which came first, but I'd assume Taylor Poe because Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is largely a collection of American folk tales and horror stories. Yeah, by kind the, of the new iterations for a younger audience. By the predominance of art depicting someone in bed with just Taylor Poe's ears and fingers coming up over the the post at the bottom of the bed. That seems to be the most popular picture to draw. So I guess that's the part that really gets people the story. Well, that's the part I remember it's described as, you know, it's described as first one finger rises up over the edge of the bed with the long nails, then the other, then slowly his head all the while going, where's my tail? Give myself goosebumps. I also feel like a lot of these pictures make it look, I know this is not necessarily normal. It looks a lot like an eye eye. You know what an eye Yeah, eye? it's got, well, the big eyes. Well, not just the big eyes, the like the length of the body and the long fingers. It just is all very eye-eye-like. It's got huge ears in a lot of these pictures. Yep. Hmm. 
All right, well, do you, do you want any other? So Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark obviously is an homage. Have you actually ever seen Taylor Post show up in, like, popular culture, like how I had seen, uh, you know, Flying Dutchman and Scooby-Doo and Supernatural and whatnot? No, which, again, this is one of the ones I'm trying to track down. I feel like it's relatively well-known, but I've never seen any interpretations, and I, I feel like it would be rife, you know, for something. A really good iteration of that story for... uh Again, not to just bring up Supernatural, but it's a good go-to would be what if a hunter who also had a like a local butcher shop hunted something like that down and sold the meat? I'm amazed that they haven't done something like that because it's so like a whole town you... being like haunted by this thing. That makes sense. But I mean, regardless of what you think of Supernatural, they really have mined the well of myths and folklore pretty impressive and they do a pretty good job compared to the average one can't yeah except for their treatment of werewolves but anyway moving that's on its own thing werewolves is weird and i uh, that's a whole nother episode all right well i have nothing else to add about taylor poe other than i do think that name is really dumb but uh so this is north american already i was saying like i had an issue thinking of north american ones so this is kind of a cool like North American spirit creature I'm going to add to my little repertoire. I'm, I have a plan to do some uh, DMing uh, here soon and might, might do something with this. I like this story. <laughs> I just wanted to get it out there to see if anyone has heard from it and where they heard it from. I want to pin down where this originates. All right, Wundvog, you care to hit us with your first uh, boogeyman? My first, first spook? Well, for another one that comes from... Uh kind of North American lore. Uh, I've always been partial to the story of the Wendigo. I was going to talk about that one too, because have you noticed this uh, and Baba Yaga have just kind of entered the pop culture in the last two decades and nobody seems to know when or where they came I from. Have. They just introduced pop. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of resurfaced as a super popular myth to to incorporate into stories. The Wendigo is heebie-jeebie, so I'll let you talk about that one. Yeah, uh, yeah the Wendigo is definitely a uh, a horrifying setup. It's It comes from Algonquin lore uh, that it is effectively a person who has succumbed to cannibalism uh, inevitably turns into the monster of a Wendigo, or some some refer to it as Wendigo. I've never been. Now it's Wendigo. The thing, I don't care what they say. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally feel Wendigo flows better as a as a word. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's basically a a gaunt human that can disguise itself as a normal person. Uh, in some of the worst cases of the as the lore goes, they are always starving. And the only thing that can sate their hunger is human flesh. Also, in most depictions, the Wendigo has grown uh, like antlers. So even though it was a person that became a cannibal, uh, they like have antlers. There's a lot of depictions where they're you know just wearing like a elk skull, but there's also plenty where they their body is just morphed. Now usually their arms get really long, so now they're like the size of their whole body, and they just become you know animalistic. Yeah, they take on yeah a more bestial form. And I remember reading in in some lores, they even just whatever they eat 
they consume whole, but then their body grows to accommodate that. So it, regardless of how much they eat, it's never filling. Oh, that's fucked. That's some body horse shit right there. Yeah. Well, dude, it's like when I looked up the art for the the Tailipo, there was plenty that was cute and and nice. I'm looking up art of, of Wendigos. Most of this is horrifying. Which is how like, it should be. Cannibalism should never be made friendly or cutesy. I, it's funny because the sheer volume of like the difference in Wendigo designs I'm I'm seeing here is like again mostly you see those antlers. But there's also plenty of times where it just looks like like a zombie that's all cut up but frosted, which is appropriate because like a lot of times the in the Wendigo myth the cannibalism comes from uh, you know long winters where they had to resort to cannibalism because there wasn't other food. So it's like oddly enough uh, the Wendigo legend is, tends to be tied to winter or to cold climate. Well, the first time I ever heard it was as an old mountain man tale of an evil spirit that lived in the woods that wanted to possess the spirits and came when you were, you know, at your worst and, you know, you would succumb to the hunger and eat, you know, human flesh. And then, you know, as I dug into it, it's like, oh, no, that's kind of where it is, but it also has native origin roots and other much cooler and darker and creepier. Ugh. Yeah, some of my earlier memories of it is like you've Campfire Tales looking into more. It has much more deep roots. Uh, interestingly enough, there's a more recent like kind of telling of the Wendigo story on a YouTube channel called Crypt TV uh, that they have a series called The Mordeo, which very similar to the Wendigo story. The lore is when a person in this particular forest in the Northwest consumes human flesh out of desperation. They become a Mordeo. Interesting. And word. yeah, they do have an interesting twist on that because a girl is being attacked by another, like by what she thought was like a friend and she was like strangling her. So in the panic, she bit her friend's finger to get her off of her and that was enough to start the change have either of you guys seen the trailer for antlers i have not uh guillermo del toro produced movie it's being directed by scott cooper and everything about the trailer just screams yeah we're doing the wendigo myth oh oh i think i have seen that actually the trailers have just started showing up and like it looks really good and del toro is attached which means I have to watch it because I'm sworn to watch everything that man touches. And it just kind of made me go, okay, why the Wendigo all of a sudden just, you know, reemerges back into pop culture knowledge all of a sudden, like it comes and goes like about 10 years ago, it was a big thing that it died off. And now with pet cemetery, you know, until dawn. And now this is like, and the Wendigo's back. And I'm not sure how to feel about that. Cause it's always a story used by white people. I also feel like the, the Wendigo and the Taylor Poe are both stories that, Curtain from wrong, but they they seem to predate well dating. Like there's no, you know, the earliest account of like these were in oral traditions probably before. I'm I'm not sure about the Taylor Pope, but I'm pretty sure the Wendigo legend has been around since well before we started documenting stuff like this. Oh yeah, like I said, it's old uh, Native American story, and like I said, that's why I feel kind of weird that it's only popping up in white people stories. There's something slightly problematic about that. So let's switch something less problematic. All right, but keeping in the same vein, the next uh, spirit that I want to, well, it's not a spirit, but creature I want to talk about is uh, more often or not the subject of 
the chupacabra. Uh, See, does this qualify as a boogeyman or? Well, I guess we got monsters on here, so I guess I'll allow it. Well, I that's, that's what I was saying is like in actual folklore, like in South American folklore, it's about equivalent to something like the Wendigo. So, or uh, or the Tailipo. It's a similar kind of thing. It's just that the call the concept of goat sucking is seen as which is basically what chupacabra translates to uh is more often than not used for humor by north americans but from what i can tell in you know puerto rico which is where most of the sightings like have uh have been i think um it's a lot more of like a serious thing i think it's because it comes back from a time when goats were like a primary steeple of like you know how they lived <laughs> although uh, apparently the uh name from what i can tell is this is probably the newest one on our list because the actual uh, name Chupacabra is attributed to a in 1995 is when it was like really put into terms. But it looks like and it looks wow. like that's about as old as the the first reported attack was in 1995. So this is a new pretty new urban legend although there are some attacks in 1975 they're apparently very similar but they called it the vampire of mocha at the time. See, Chupacabra kind of, I wouldn't, I don't know where to put Chupacabra because it really falls almost in the whole cryptid, you know, animals camp. But at the same time, it also seems to occupy this weird boogeyman idea, at least for goats. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that most of the time it's basically just animals getting ripped apart. And this Chupacabra was a story that was put together, I guess, as a way to kind of be like explain you know these uh these killings and also kind of like you know keep kids in line i guess i'm not sure this is all very speculative on my part uh, apparently some of the killings initially were thought to be from a satanic cult until it uh became you know chupacabra for anyone who has missed it a chupacabra is a south american creature that is its description is usually very varied but most of the time it looks like a humanoid body with a fur covered body but a reptilian face with large teeth a long tongue large round eyes and like spines like reptilian spines from the the head down the back that's basically the chupacabra uh, design in general and it eats goats <laughs> is its main thing and i know that in some interpretations of the uh, uh we'll call it a myth for lack of a better term in some interpretations of the myth they also have a werewolf-like property i remember seeing that for the first time and not knowing how accurate it was it's not that accurate this is a very rare thing in fact most of the time like actual chupacabra myths don't do this but i remember uh the chupacabra showing up in jackie chan adventures that was like that where it was like a werewolf creature but it was the chupacabra instead i remember that episode i vaguely remember that episode <laughs> like chupacabra that's pretty pop culture heavy that was uh, <laughs> the uh wendigo of the 90s i suppose so that's uh, probably a good good comparison it's probably why i moved to it after talking about the wendigo for a while plus chupacabra cropping up yeah, and also, I think like Wendigo, it's a fun word to say. I know mean, it's kind of a creepy what it is, but <laughs> chupacabra just rolls off the tongue well, you know? Yeah. All right. So I got one that's fun to say and equally terrifying, the teke teke. That sounds more familiar, but I don't know it. We're going to Japan where they don't fuck around with their horror stories. Uh, down with yokai stories. This was one that Slagathor saw me putting together this list, and she's like, oh, you got to do teke teke. And then she told me what that was. I'm like, why? What? What is wrong with Japan that they need that level of horror? 
Yeah, no, yokai stories are pretty goddamn terrifying. But I think that yokai stories, a lot of them anyway, I have this is completely unprecedented or unfounded. So if you're listening and you're like, I actually, you know, he's talking is out of his ass. Yes, I am. But I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the yokai stories came from like eras like the Sengoku era where violence, death, and you know, were so predominant and everywhere that it was like easier to attribute you know, massacres and horrifying scenes of like villages being fucked up to, to demons essentially, which is why a lot of anime nowadays um, usually pits like the era where, de- where demons just roamed uh, earth like freely as around the same time as the Sengoku era. I don't think that's a coincidence. So, but that's where a lot of these creepy ass stories, I think, originate from. But again, I'm totally unsure. Well, Teke Teke at least, so I want to say 18th, maybe 19th century, because the story is a Teke Teke is a woman who was bifurcated by a train. So she's just the upper half of her body who hang out on walls or other places and hide the lower half of their bodies. And when you approach them, they spin around and chase you on their hands. And the Teke Teke sound is the sound of their claws dragging on the ground as this disembodied torso chases you, attempting to cut you in half just like them. And if there is not a more terrifying mental image than being chased by a bifurcated body and you just hear the scratching of the nails on the, oh man, Japan, you creepy. A lot of the art I'm seeing, they have scythes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, other stories they use a scythe to cut you in half some stories they cut you in half with their hands it's just all sorts of wrong yeah this is up there i i don't know the official name of it but the uh the story of the uh the cut woman oh fuck that one the with the yeah the girl who had her mouth like cut open with scissors the glasgow smile that you know that does it to other people yep Yeah, no, we got some uh, stories from the old country that are pretty dark, but I don't know if we've got any that are quite that dark. Well, I don't know, this Teke Teke is, uh, just like with the Wendigo, there's very little art here that isn't horrifying. I'm seeing a couple, but because, you know, Japan, obviously. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> going to make everything cute, even if it shouldn't be. No, it's it's impressive how many horror icons have been made into, like, adorable by someone somewhere, but there are a few that it's like, you're going to have to stretch your imagination far to make this one fun. By the way, uh, on the image page, three rows down, the first picture is a Teke Teke and the slit mouth woman. So just like you guys were saying. Doubling down on that yep. body horror. There you go. I don't uh, need to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, we can all. I will admit that I see. Is this like the inspiration for the ring or Ringu? Like the, the crawling at you kind of aspect? Uh, I, I am underqualified to answer that one. Same, but it's, uh, I, th- I think it's kind of in the same vein, but as someone who hasn't seen any of the Ring movies, original or Hollywood, I can't say. I haven't either, but I just know that the thing with the Ringu and the, the grunge is that the the Sayaka or whatever her, Sayako or whatever her name is, she crawls at you. She comes out the TV and crawls at you. I know this much, just because this is some of Slagathar's favorite movies. The grudge thing and the Ringu, that's its own separate mythology within Japan. I think the movement thing is just part of uh, Japanese horror because that is unnatural human movement and our brain recognizes that and it's inherently unsettling. Instant uncanny valley. Humans recognize we walk on two legs. We do not scuttle. Scuttling is bad and therefore should be feared. (laughs) Yeah, it also makes you think of like uh, there was a band 
a Duran Gray. That's right. That my friends had me listen to when I was in high school and they made really, really fucked up music videos, but they did that kind of movement in their videos to really up the creep factor. <laughs> it goes right to your fear center of your brain going, that's not right. I think with, uh, I think with the ring, the lore is it's again, like, uh, Ulrich said its own lore, but, uh, the story of someone scaring scaring their victim to death, whereas Juon or the Grudge is a, a, a malevolent spirit built on grief. All right, so with the Teke Teke, like, because we kind of talked about how the Wendigo comes from like cannibalism in winter, and I mentioned the Chupacabras, like, well, there was these mutilations of goats that had to be explained, and uh, with the Flying Dutchman, I mentioned that you know the Superior Mirage, so. If the Teke Teke was cut in half by a train, that's very specific. I wonder what was going on in the culture, in Japanese culture at the time trains were being introduced that led to, maybe it's not even that old, maybe it's a newer thing, but I feel like that's such a specific, like there had to be some kind of counter movement against trains or or something. Well, to- yeah, because you got the whole introduction of Western ideas and trains, and also you got to convince your people, hey, there's a thing called a train, it'll kill you. That's not good enough? Okay. There's a thing called a teke teke, which if you go near the train tracks, it'll chase you. And I said you're running a way to keep lollygaggers off the tracks to avoid the teke tekes. God damn it. Now I'm just imagining a teke teke on a train chasing me. That's that that's horrifying. She's got the conductor's hat and everything. Oh man. <laughs> uh, alright. I, I we can move on. Wunvog, what else you got? Well, I know you talked about like the chupacabra being a modern age one and i'd say uh one that i've always had a fascination for uh, at least in the last few years is probably the most modern and i i consider it the internet's boogeyman and that's slender man so he's thing about slender man we were actually planning to kind of do something with him specifically later but this is a good place for him because yeah he is he is modern day. He is the most modern boogeyman I can think of. <laughs> yeah, and like again, for those who don't know, the lore initially started on the forums of something awful. They were having a contest where people would send in photoshopped pictures and basically just just try to win the contest. And the winner was a forum user that went by the name Victor Surge. Uh, and there were two black and white photos both at like a camp or like a park where a bunch of kids are playing. And in the background is just a tall faceless man. And uh, the, the very first lore with slender man was just with the phrase. Uh, the idea is it's on the back of the picture or the photograph found. It says we didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them, but it's persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time and yeah (laughs) so slender is one of those things that woundvog has been into for basically around as long as i've known him it seems actually it probably hasn't been as long as i've known him i I remember like you specifically getting into it probably like the third year we knew each other it just that's we've known each other for a long time now but Mm -hmm. i do know that Slender's one of those things like um, the game I have watched. Our, we have a, a mutual friend named Gail who is <laughs> h- hilarious to watch play a horror game. <laughs> so, and that was our thing was like, make him play it because it's fun. Because that is a really effective horror game for being so you know short, you know? 
Yeah. And the lore, of course, after that has just exploded. He became uh, an icon among creepy pastas, which are basically online uh, campfire ghost stories. Also, I have to have a certain level of respect for Slenderman because he comes from, you know, essentially he comes from the tall man, which is a set of myths that is loosely connected by several like old movies and stories, including one of my all-time favorite, Phantasm, whose villain is literally called the Tall Man. So I could kind of it's not that hard to draw a line from Phantasm to Slenderman, which makes it more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. And you know, very much like classic Boogeyman, the lore behind Slenderman is he goes after children, usually lonely or uh basically even up sometimes even not lonely i guess just children in general uh that he basically just spirits them away and they're never seen again but those who are tormented by him usually suffer bouts of insomnia paranoia memory loss and uh just general fear and slenderman definitely dips into a lot of eldritch stuff specifically like he his lore is turned into a uh they stole a lot from Lovecraft, but that's fine because Lovecraft Everyone stuff is kind of steals from Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's saying that like there's a reason why when Slenderman isn't just a guy in a suit, it's when he's covered in um, tentacles, featureless black tentacles. So, but the idea is supposed to be that what Slenderman is, where he comes from, where he takes people, all that isn't really known, and it, it can't be known from what I can understand. Right? Like, Woonfog watches this thing. I don't know when, if he still watches it, but he watched this thing for a long time called uh, Marvel Hornets, I think. Which yeah, was Marble Hornets. Uh, Marble Hornets. All right. Which is all about, <laughs> seemingly about people dealing with uh, slender induced paranoia. Yeah. And these are where the lore, quote unquote, behind Slenderman really took off. And a lot of people kind of default back to them is there are three major stories out on youtube marble hornets everyman hybrid and tribe 12 and all of them are about people dealing with effectively an eldritch horror that is the physical embodiment of fear of the unknown so quick question just to get this out of the way did you watch the movie the new movie i did not that movie uh, came five years too late and one controversy way too late unfortunately yes and again elephant in the room slender man did spark a very horrifying real world attack on a young girl by two unwell uh, kids who their claim was slender man would take them away if they sacrificed someone to them and yes that pushed uh the supposed movie that was going to be coming out back because they didn't want to make it right after the tr right after a real world attack but what i've heard of the movie unbelievably still the movie is about a girl being attacked and the other friends of hers find out about the slender man through it so it's like you wait to put it out but you still made the movie about it like yeah, at least in the same vein all right now on that unpleasantness aside i'm curious <laughs> have you thought about like why do you think slender became the internet like boogeyman like I feel like, because I like to think that I think SCP is kind of the perfect internet 
like mythology because it's a <laughs> lot of things and but i feel like slender man is the most because it's just one idea it's one concept or character explored in many different forms and it just like the fact that it exploded to such a degree it did what why do you think uh what about slender contributed specifically to that to becoming the internet's boogeyman well the major things i would definitely say is the quality of the marble hornet series it is an incredible horror story of just watching a few friends learning about a like this mysterious stalker that just delves into a descent into madness and another thing is the design as it became more concrete is unique while also being like a certain level of uncanny valley because it's a it's just a guy in a suit but he is incredibly tall with no features whatsoever isn't he also somehow tied directly to like technology as well like electronics and recordings and it's like a big part of his mythology it's that's more from the shows as it as it's gone like it's a good visual tick to show like when he's around uh usually cameras start acting up and like it messes with the picture and then he just kind of appears uh the games re- really use it a lot to kind of give the the illusion that he's moving but uh when you look at him he's just kind of there and then instantly he's teleported to a new place so it's built into the lore as it's gone but it was more an inclusion from games and the shows that built up around him hmm. all right all right keep in a little quiet on this one have you had a uh, much many thoughts on slender only that it is fascinating to watch the internet literally create a boogeyman from just you know one simple image they built a backstory and you know fed into it and built and grown and like i said it's fascinating to see an urban legend be born in real time and that that's definitely a reason why i've been liking it too funny enough little bit of a side note i've actually had a nightmare recently with slender man really yes because it was actually the year i started getting into it i was working at a summer camp <laughs> and i had a dream where I was in the break room with a few other of the workers there, and I was looking down, and I heard someone scream. And when I looked up, he was coming through the door, and that's when I woke up suddenly, and I was just in bed. All right, actual nightmare-causing boogeyman. (laughs) (laughs) See... I only ever had one dream involving Slenderman, and even then it wasn't Slenderman, because he showed up and I asked, who are you? And he's like, are you Slenderman? He said, no, I'm his brother, Thin Man. Like, no, it was literally a dream, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even, I don't even get Slenderman in my nightmares, I get knockoff version. Turns out my brain cheaped out on me. Well, after, after the, oh, go ahead. I'm Thin Guy. All right, well, after the creepy nightmare and the two, uh, name jokes we have enough time i think each for for one more real quick and uh i want to do a just because his name is brilliant i know i'm betting both of you heard of spring heel jack i only heard of him in the research for this episode a very classic one yeah i've 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 heard the name but more interestingly i've learned recently that any of the old folklore that you hear the name jack appear 
it's apparently all referencing the same Jack. Well, that's because Spring Hill Jack is so Spring Hill Jack specifically is English folklore, a Victorian English folklore, and there are many. I don't know what the right term for this is, but people who study these kind of things essentially who say that Spring Hill Jack is basically is the devil. He uh, is just another name for the devil, and this is like a way he appears. Because generally speaking, Spring Hill Jack is a a gentleman. And by that, I mean, like, he's wearing pants. He's got boots that have these spring heel. Well, they have these heels. The spring part comes from. Anyway, I'll come to that in a second. But from the waist up, he's usually got, like, if not bat wings, that then he has, like, a cloak that's almost like shaped like wings. And he's got either shown ribs or, like, just a very gaunt figure. But his face is usually one of, like, it's got, like, a mustache. It's got the classic evil mustache. And his whole like top is like oily like he's um you know covered in some kind of viscous fluid but he's usually like flying through the night or jumping which is where the you know spring heel comes from because he's a figure uh that's why he's associated with bats and whatnot but yeah he's the devil essentially but the reason why i just wanted to mention him was simply because i didn't realize until i was researching for this episode that uh, whether intentional or not the main villain from uh, berserk is design seems to be heavily inspired by these these descriptions of spring hill jack and i love berserk so that's awesome interesting well the idea of the gentleman who also looks like a bat covered in oil and the devil is like yeah that's that's what's going on in berserk so well if there's anyone that can make that like a truly haunting visage it would be mira true and looking at these um you know these descriptions of him some people uh who claim to see him or speak with him say that he can speak so he speaks english so further adding to the idea that you know it's the devil he's uh he's got the tall aspect so he's basically a tall boogeyman similar to slenderman i don't see anything about like what was going on with him from a it's funny because i feel like a lot of you know, spirits or boogeyman have some sort of like when I was looking up boogeyman and looking at things like the sack man and Baba Yaga, I, most of them are, they eat children. Like that is so common. And we got Slender man stealing children and whatnot. But I don't really see anything much about spring Hill Jack doing much other than, uh, you know, a couple times looks like he's stealing like women. <laughs> Cause he's got that kind of classic that uh, bastard. Yeah. Like, How dare class- he steal our women? <laughs> Well, he's kind of got that, um, you know, snidely whiplash thing going on where you know, he's going to tie you at the train tracks. I don't know what the oldest you know sighting of him is, but it's Victorian, so he's not he's not that old. I've seen um, some people compare him online to things like Jack the Ripper, like a Jack. The, again, you were saying Spring Hill Jack and Jack the Ripper, same Jack, right? <laughs> Jack the Ripper is actually a person, but uh, Spring Hill Jack is like a sighting, but might have been a per. It's you know very iffy. I don't see him show up in popular culture very often, but he's got a killer name. <laughs> uh, another lore that I've heard with it, of course, is the uh, the tale of the original Jack O. Lantern. Oh, yeah. I should have put on that one. That's a good one. Which, uh, in that lore, it's a man who, uh, he was a very foul, evil man. Again, very akin to spring Jack. But uh, when it was his time to die, he basically tricked the devil out of his... Uh, out of giving him his soul so uh, that saved him for some time when he officially did get, did die he was too evil to be accepted into heaven per the contract he made with the devil he refused to let him into hell that's a slightly different variation than the one i know yeah so the devil like mockingly threw him a piece of brimstone so he could use that to light his uh lantern basically until he can get someone to 
accept the lantern from him willingly, he is stuck in limbo for eternity. As, as a quick side note, because that story was awesome, I just want to say that I did find that apparently for decades in London, Springhill Jack was used as a means of scaring children uh, into behaving by telling them, and I'm quoting from what I'm reading here, if they were not good, Springhill Jack would leap up and peer in at them through their bedroom windows by night. That's creepy, <laughs> but not nearly as bad as being eaten. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's just like he's going to watch you through the window. That's it. He's just going to watch that you. Is, that is so very British. Yeah. He's going to look at you, and he's going to be very rude about it. I don't know. If he looks like the Babadook, that might actually lose me some sleep. True. Well, from what I can tell, he looks like the devil. So <laughs> it's not quite as bad. <laughs> well, bring us home by going back to the literal homeland of Ireland. And who? Damn. We got a lot to choose from. We got Banshees. We got the Puka. We got Doolahan. We got Red Caps. We got a whole lot of nasty, evil stuff that we might have to do a whole other episode on. I'm going to talk about one of the oldest and maybe I, I, I like this one. The Washerwoman. The Washerwoman. I don't know. Any, I've, I know the Doolahan. I don't know the Washerwoman. Okay, the washerwoman is really old and, as most people assume, is based on one of the three forms of uh, the Morrigan, the, you know, Irish goddess of war and death. Mm, yes, yes. And this is, you know, basically considered the bastardized, angularized version. But the story goes that men setting out to battle would see a woman crying and washing clothes in the river. And if the clothes were clean, that meant they were going to live. But if there was blood on the clothes, that meant they were going to die that day. Looks like the um, the term in Scottish folklore uh, to just is, oh, man, pronouncing this is a bitch. Ban Nig, B-E-N-N-I-G-H-E. We got all the vowels and we're going to use them. Yeah, I'm seeing that... Um, she is a subtype of the Bon Seath or Bon Sith, which in Irish. So, which is basically, she's a banshee. She's a type of banshee. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Like I said, this is largely believed to be a bastardization of the Morrigan, who also is said to have took a similar form, you know, before battle to pick those that would die that day. And this is, I always thought was kind of a cool visual and ties back to the Irish people's fear of water, which if you look it up, that's an actual thing in so much mythology. The water is the devil. Yeah, I've been telling you guys this for years. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. It's just like, that is one of the key things in Irish folktales is stay out of the water. Bad things are there. Attach the water. We got, you know, a lady, she's washing her clothes. Turns out it's not a lady. She's a god and she's going to murder you. I do think it's funny that I was looking at this this term of, of Ban Sid and I, and I didn't realize it was Banshee until like I'd already I had to say it and wrap my mouth around it because yeah, the, the Banshee is sense. like yeah but the Banshee's like famous as like an Irish uh, <laughs> you know boogeyman and I don't know the washerwoman specific version of it but you know it, does the washerwoman scream at you? <laughs> no she's just you know sitting there crying as she's washing bloody clothes in the river laying claim to your soul all right, well, wailing, crying could be called wailing, banshee wailing. Yeah, and I think the idea is banshees are for families. You know, you have a family banshee that calls for you. If you're a poor bloke with no family, you get the washerwoman. That sounds like specifically if you're going to a battle or war as well. Yeah, I don't think she shows up, you know, like, oh, you're looking kind of sickly. Well, that sucks. That's not my department, though. That's uh, the washer dude. All right. <laughs> Just a bro walks up. Hey, man, you're not going to live. He's, he's, he's very blunt. 
<laughs> washer bro. <laughs> oh god! It just that's annoys me. you. Know. No one that's wants to be visited by the from. washer, bro. Oh, dude, lame. I'm sorry, bro. Oh god. All uh, right. Well, we we each shared uh, like three main ones and some many ones in between there. So there's a collection of of boogeyman and and ghost stories. And believe me, there are so many more. But also a lot of them overlap. Like I said, do you realize how many versions of the Sackman there are? Like we didn't even mention Krampus. There, if we do a if we do a sequel, we'll bring uh bring Woundvog back on. You can talk about Krampus. I know you like Krampus. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, there's a ton. And before you get honest, why didn't you talk about the Boogeyman, the originator, the key one? Here's a fun fact. I can't find an origin of the Boogeyman, okay? This is what I found in my research. It means goblin in German. And some of the versions Actually, it no, means similar goat. thing. I tried to look up Boogeyman too, and all I got like what happened was I got redirected to uh, on a few different sites, like I get redirected to things like the Sackman or the Baba Yaga or you know Spring Hill Jack. It's like Boogeyman. There is no one Boogeyman. It's a term used to describe all these other kinds of specific spirits, <laughs> which is fascinating because we all grew up with the Boogeyman, but there's no origin for the Boogeyman. It's just you know, like I said, in German it means goblin, and some of the versions goat goblin. Which so if is, you're if you're listening to this and terrible. you're and you've read some book that like explains the origin of the boogeyman that we didn't find in our you know limited research. <laughs> Tell us, because we are honest. At least I'm honestly curious. Yeah, uh, the most I know about it is a lot. Like uh, Ulrich said, it's uh, it's very much English to like mid Central European, and it it is just kind of it is a go to name for the monster under the bed uh boogeyman bu- uh bugaboo bugbear it is it is that faceless creature that comes after children i will say i remember that when the boogeyman showed up in um was it legend of the guardians was that movie called where it was all the holidays right i was like yeah. wait a minute you have a you have a character who is like the embodiment of fear and a bunch of heroes her are the embodiments of of holidays and you didn't make him Halloween? Child wonder. Like, what, what's going on with that? I don't know, that, that really bugged me. <laughs> that yeah. is dumb. Well, if, they wanted to, if they wanted to do a holiday one for that, they'd have to, they sh- they'd probably have to go with the uh, Sawain. Sorry, can you repeat that? Sawain. Uh, oh, is, like the original, yeah. the original Irish uh, festival from which Halloween comes from? Yeah, the original, like, spirit of that holiday. Yeah, Sawain is... Ghostbusters cartoon did that, and he was terrifying. Yep. Yeah, I love Sawe, but I but I'm like ill in the Celtic and pagan rituals. So anyway, why don't we um, move on because we could talk about this for quite a while, and maybe we will if people like this, we'll do it another another time. But uh, why don't we move on to our suggestions for the week? And I'm just gonna because I'm already talking, I'm gonna cut right in, and I'm gonna suggest. I'm pretty sure I talked about this before. Eclipse phase. Eclipse phase is a tabletop role playing game like Dungeons and Dragons, like Shadowrun, blah blah blah. Eclipse phase takes place in the uh, the far future. So think like if you've seen Altered Carbon, where people like are in stacks, so it's a little piece of technology in your neck that if your body dies, they just stick in a new body, and boom, you're alive but in a new body. Anyway, Eclipse phase has that kind of stuff. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because I'm currently playing an Eclipse phase game that is mostly horror. Like our first adventure in that game involved us going to a abandoned outpost on a planet that was being taken over by essentially a xenomorph that spread like eldritch goo that caused voices and hallucinations to appear. And our DM is very good 
at creeping me the hell out. So I know that that's, that's like a thing that's very dependent on an individual person, but it was relevant to the discussion and Eclipse Phase is awesome. So if you like tabletop role-playing and especially if you like sci-fi tabletop role-playing and you haven't seen it, go check out Eclipse Phase. Okay, I'll go next. I was browsing Amazon Prime recently trying to find something to watch and I stumbled across uh, Dan Cummins' new special, Don't Wake the Bear. Now, for many of you that don't know, I like Dan Cummins because we come from the same hometown and he has an incredibly dark sense of humor. Um, the keynote joke that I have used from the special to judge if this is a good uh, stand-up for you to watch is he has a joke and goes, you know, sometimes I wonder, what would it be like if bears wanted to fuck us instead of kill us? That would be a whole nother world. He has a great tangent. And if you laugh at that, this special is 100% for you because that is the dark, messed up kind of comedy route that he goes down. And if you went... Why would anyone think about that? That's terrible. This is not for you. Like I said, this is on Amazon, and I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Like I said, I love his specials. I love his dark humor. And again, I got to promote him because we come from the same small town. If you're still looking for any more good bits of horror to wet your whistle for the holiday season, uh, I would check out creativehorror.com. It is a, a group of podcasters who focus on more of the the horror genre in general and specifically i've talked about them before on on these but midnight marinara and undercooked analysis usually talk about old horror stories and even like some more modern day creepy pastas and they turn them into radio plays for midnight marinara and usually do like review and analysis of writing in undercooked analysis. Now, sadly, thanks to YouTube's or YouTube's BS, their channel got taken down recently. So, if you can go over to creativehorror.com and you know give them some support, uh, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. And you will not be disappointed with some of the horror elements you'll find there. While I'm not personally a fan of horror, I did watch their radio play version of the story The Egg, which was really good, and I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, um, I think that's a good suggestion. All right. Well, we'd like to thank Woonvog for coming on and talking, you know, ghosts and boogeyman with us. Always a pleasure with Bootober. And don't worry, now that we've done things that, you know, go bump in the night, next time we're going to talk about things that go hump in the night. That'll be a whole nother list. Oh, my. I don't know if I was invited to that one. I don't know if I want to be invited to that one. Anyway, Ulrich. Surprise. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do whatever it is so you don't miss the rest of Bootober because this is going to go on for a while and this is going to be a good year. And we're going to be available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast, which we should be available on all that right now. I don't know why that was in the forward tense, but whichever one you are currently listening to us on, thank you. We're also available on those other ones. If there's any other platform you want us to look into that would be more convenient, tell us what it is and we'll look into it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich and his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.